I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. He's the rapper Big Pooh. And our guest today, back for another visit, is Troy Halliburton from the Washington City Paper. Troy, how are you? I'm doing all right, Doug and Big Pooh. How you guys doing today? Doing good. Happy belated. I appreciate that, man. Like I said, uh, I just got this nice... Uh, Nice little uh, birthday uh, uh, romper set here. Got to throw my bucket hat on. I'm, I'm in vacation mode all day right now. <laughs> the cherry blossom blossoms must be out. Exactly. And, and I will not let the uh, Washington Wizards constantly losing uh, bring down my mood. Oh, my God. You can't at this <laughs> point. <laughs> you can't at this point. <laughs> so, you know, that brings up a good point that I was thinking about before we got started today. What does, not just COVID, but covering a team that's not doing very well, how you go about, like, just not making it seem miserable all the time? Yeah, I think that there's an element uh, that is very demoralizing when you have a team that, you know, is not winning a lot of games. Like, it's tough, like, because, I mean, a lot of the players, they're, they're dejected after uh, after these games. And it even before COVID, when you had to go into the locker room, at least you could, like, read body language and, you know, you could kind of talk to the 15th man who didn't play and be like, oh, well, what, what did you see from this situation? Or what was the call in the huddle? And, you know, different things of that nature. But with, with the COVID and with them doing everything over Zoom, I mean, it's almost, uh, you know, impossible to kind of get the full scope of what's going on with the team because, you know, the players aren't willing to talk. And then after, you know, some of these losses, you'll see, we, we've already seen, you know, guys like Russell Westbrook and Bradley Bill, you know, they'll just head on out, go home, and, and, and you know, they'll, they'll do the media availability the, the next day. So it, it, it has become increasingly difficult to uh, cover an NBA team uh, uh, during this time period. Troy, now, obviously, you haven't been able to be around them this year, but you've been around almost pretty much the same team, besides from West, Russell Westbrook in previous seasons. In your opinion, like, what do you see the – do you think it's an atmosphere in there of one of, like, okay, sorry, guys, we're trying to get better, or in your opinion, do you think it's very – a different type of frustration being that they had expectations, at least for the play-in spot? You know, I mean, you know what's crazy? Uh, I feel like that the delusion has reached every point of the organization because the from from everything that I have uh, talked to uh, people who are uh, connected to the team on a daily basis, the, the spirits are high. Like, <laughs> wow. That it is, it's, you know, it's not like no deal. Not that it's no big deal that they're losing, but like they 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 feel good. Like they like I think that that comes with um, a little bit of the positivity um, that Russell Westbrook has brought to the team. Um, I think that you know he just kind of has this nature where he just you know kind of puts his hard hat on every day and comes to work. And I do believe that uh, some of that nature has seeped through uh, to uh, some of some of his teammates, especially uh, the younger guys, especially a guy like Rui Hashimura who uh, Russell Westbrook has kind of taken under his wing. I know, uh, you know, they're both uh, uh, Jordan brand ambassadors and and Russell, uh, I mean, Rui now calls Russell his senpai, which means a mentor in uh, Japanese. So I, I, and surprisingly, like I said, I, from the people that I have talked to who are 
around this team on a daily basis that the morale is not as low as I think that people, uh, Wizards fans, would would probably think. Is Trey is is Rui? Does he have the most star potential after you take out you know the two big names? Is, is he who they're hoping has the highest ceiling? I think that Rui definitely has the highest ceiling because of number one, his uh, physical tools with him being a a six, eight uh, wing player. And, um, you know, he has a a long wingspan. He's got big hands for his size. Um, And I think that, you know, what the Wizards always believed was the fact that he started because he started playing basketball so late. They kind of view him as this kind of ball of clay that they can mold that, you know, he hasn't built up a lot of bad habits that a lot of kids who come up in the AAU culture uh, have. And I think that when when Wizards uh, fans looked at the drafting of Rui two years ago, I know a lot of people wanted uh, Cam Reddish. Uh, who was a you know a much highly much higher touted uh, prospect uh, when he was coming out of high school, but I don't think that there's anybody out there now who doesn't think that the Wizards made the right decision by drafting Rui over a guy like Reddish, and, and that has to do a lot with um, he, him really showing a lot more than what his initial uh, kind of scouting report was. It, 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 you know, when he first came in, people thought that he was just a mid-range shooter and that he would really, really not be able to develop further parts of his game. But, I mean, he has shown uh, a defensive versatility that I think it really excites me more than anything about his uh, prospect uh, as, as, a, as a potential star. Um, and he has shown the ability with his three-point shot that when he gets consistent looks and he's able to take those shots with confidence, that um, they're going to go in a lot more than even he realizes. Let's go to last year's uh, first-round pick, Denny Avdia. Um I, I've last week, I think it was. I I went on Twitter to defend Avdi's development thus far. Uh, you know, people already ready to call him a bust. And and my thing was, he wasn't his the skill set he had in Europe. That's not what we're seeing for the most part. They turned him into a spot up shooter when he was a secondary playmaker. Um, do you see his in in Scott Brooks tradition? Do you see his confidence being crushed by the end of the season or him being able to make it out of out of this freshman uh, slump he's in? I think that we've witnessed this movie, this exact movie, uh, two previous times uh, under the uh, Scott Brooks tenure as the Wizards head coach uh, and Thomas Sadoransky and Troy Brown, where you have um, young developing uh, prospects who their skill sets involve them having the ball in their hands. And Scott Brooks has kind of relegated them to that. Just no, no, no. You just stand in the corner and wait to shoot when the ball comes to you. And that's not their games. Like these aren't like uh, Otto Porter, you know, type of three and D spot up shooter. They're trying to turn every third guy into Otto Porter. And that's just not that what these guys skill set were. And I think that we've seen that, that Thomas Adoransky and Troy Brown both, when they have gotten into, uh, you know, fresh situations that, you know, they can do things with the ball in their hands. And I think that uh, Denny Adia is, is he's just falling right in line uh, with those same, with the same story as those other two prospects. Um, he, he is a player, like you said, from what uh, we saw from the scouting report, from everything that he did in Europe, you know, he's a guy who excels with the ball in his hand, playmaking, creating for others, you know, ha- having nifty passing skills. Uh, you know, he, he, he's a guy, I think that he has shown that he's a versatile defender with the Wizards, 
but he's not a you know just a stand in the corner spot up shooter. And I think as long as he's on a team where Scott Brooks is the head coach and he allows Russell Westbrook to just have the ball and just do whatever he wants to do and not really involve all the younger players, then th this might be a problem. But you know Scott, Scott Brooks is in the last year of his. Uh, his contract with the Wizards, so we, we, we will see what uh, Denny's uh, development looks like under a uh, some different tutelage. I, I hear I hear what you're doing there, and, I, and I, I'm getting on that in a second. But uh, <laughs> anybody that knows knows that I was a huge Troy Brown Jr. fan. I'm sure you heard what he said to uh, about the Bulls and the head coach interaction there. I mean. What is going on here? They literally didn't tell him how to get on the court. He was begging for knowledge and nobody would tell him. I mean, it's literally the same exact thing that happened to Thomas Sadoransky. Not only did uh, Troy Brown not have any direction as far as what he felt like his role was and what he could do to earn more playing time, but that's on the head coach to be able to sit down and communicate those things with the player. And so, and I, I go back to something else um, with the Wizards, how, you know, they, they had a, a, a team only meeting in February where Russell Westbrook is dictating, uh, he's telling everybody, putting them in their defined roles. That's something the head coach is supposed to do in training camp. Like <laughs> the team, the season already over by the time they have a team meeting and they're trying to tell people to define their roles. Um, I think that that was one of the biggest complaints. I think that um, Wizards players under the Scott Brooks tenure has been his lack of communication uh, with players concerning what their roles are and what uh, their level expectation from him was. And zero offensive system. I mean, what is the game plan on offense? I have zero idea. It's actually really nice game plans being developed and designed in the NBA right now. And I have zero idea what the Wizards is. Well, the Wizards' game plan is to get the ball to Russell Westbrook and let him cook and let him stack up triple doubles, so that uh, so that <laughs> so that the team uh, Twitter account can go ahead and 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 ha ha and tell us that he's not washed. That's the that's the whole plan right now. That's the only thing that seems to be working. Sure, I I, I had this thought the other day. It feels like the front office and Scott Brooks have never been on the same page once the whole KD to DC thing went to shambles. They constantly uh, bringing in players that are multidimensional in, in how they can be used. And Scott Brooks continuously turns these players into spot-up or tries to turn them into spot-up shooters. That reeks of not being on the same page to me. Like, why as a... If, if I know you're bringing in to me a six eight six nine forward who can do things with the ball off the break, and go to the hoop and defend multiple positions. Why would I want to turn him into something he isn't, especially in his first season in the league? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, they, when we talk about the disconnect between uh, Scott Brooks and the front office, I mean, it, it's just kind of quite apparent when you have, you know, the, uh, the front office, they're giving contract extensions to guys who aren't playing. And, you know, Scott Brooks, like uh, Troy Brown, who had his fourth year uh, player option as a draft uh, first round draft pick picked up, but Scott Brooks is starting Jerome Robinson, who did not have his option picked up. You know, uh, guys like uh, Alex Lynn, who came off the street, is playing in front of, you know, a guy who they traded for and Mo Wagner, who they're supposed to be trying to develop. Like, it, it just never really kind of made sense as far as uh, uh, what Brooks is doing with um, uh, uh, his rotations uh, based on what the front office uh, kind of expects from these players with, you know, with how they're uh, doling out these contracts. And I think that 
you know, Scott Brooks, when he came to D.C., he had this reputation of being a uh, developmental coach. And everybody looked at, you know, the success of Russell Westbrook and the success of James Harden and the success of Kevin Durant. All those guys are MVPs and, quite frankly, probably would have been league MVPs without Scott Brooks. Like, so we can say that, you know, he did a good job in helping that young team reach the NBA finals a lot faster than a lot of uh, people expected. But I don't think that we've really necessarily seen that development uh, aspect of what we thought we were getting from Scott Brooks. Tommy Shepard didn't hire Scott Brooks. So, I mean, I assume you're here to tell us today that he will be finding his very first head coach once this season is over. You know what? That's a good question. I think he or somebody else will be finding their uh, uh, first head coach. But I, I do think that there, there's a very precarious situation there because of the fact that uh, Tommy and Scott Brooks share an agent. And so I think that, you know, for anybody who was ever expecting, um, you know, uh, Tommy Shepard to uh, to fire Scott Brooks, I don't think that that was ever going to happen for multiple reasons. Him Them sharing an agent is one. Um, the, 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 the cost uh, effect of, you know, uh, monumental sports having to, you know, pay him $7 million to go away. I don't think that that was ever something that, you know, uh, Ted Leonsis ever wanted to do. But I do think that, I do think that there is a certain part of the organization where I think that there's a small percentage chance where we might be looking at this, this, them just running it back just because of you know, how much they have committed to Russell Westbrook. And, and <laughs> big fool, you laughing, man. This, I, I, like I say, I, it's a very small percentage chance, but at this point, I'm, I would not be surprised by anything that the Wizards do. And my reasoning behind it is because of, but because they are, they are so committed to Russell Westbrook right now, and 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 Ted Leonsis, he's in love with Russell Westbrook in a way you know that has nothing to do with any of the things that he does on the court. You know, he just loves him as a person. He loves his family. He loves um, you know his high character, and I do believe that there's a small percentage chance that you know that that, that they would like to bring back that pairing of. Uh, Scott Brooks and Russell Westbrook. And you see it with, you know, how they carry themselves as an organization that, you know, they're, 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 whatever excuse you can use to find why they are uh, only winning 30% of their games this year, whether that be, you know, the injuries uh, to start the year, whether that be no training camp, whether that be uh, the team having the biggest COVID outbreak uh, in the middle of the season. If, if, they, if they want to find the excuses, the excuses are right there for them. Um, but if I had to uh, wager on it, I would say that that Scott Brooks would probably not be back. But there is a world where in which that could happen. Unfortunately, it's the Wizards, and I and I definitely see that. You know, you know, Troy. I, watching this team every game, Russell, Russell Westbrook comes with his flaws. Obviously, he can become very inefficient, turn over the ball. He's leading the league in turnovers. Shoot inexplicably quick shots sometimes but what i see as a detriment to this team more than russell westbrook is for instance last the the last game uh what's his name garrison matthews hit 17 in the first half on fire <laughs> second the middle of the middle through the third quarter they go on the coldest streak i've ever seen the nba team go on since I've been watching the NBA, third quarter to basically the end of the game. Where was Garrison Matthews in that time? <laughs> like, he just, 
You would have you know, thought he was injured. Big Pooh, man, it's the fact that I can't even really say that the team went on a cold streak. It's just that the hot shooters stopped getting the ball. And so just like you said, where was Garrison Matthews? Where was uh, Davos Bertans, you know, who, who has come on late? Uh, and he's been hitting some shots recently. Uh, but, you know, he was MIA for the first two months of the season. But I think that one of the biggest flaws with Westbrook as a point guard, not as a basketball player, because I think he's a phenomenal basketball player. And he, uh, you know, is the fact that his lack of point guard feel for not only getting people the ball in their right spots, but knowing, you know, who's hot at the right time and who to get more involved or knowing that certain people haven't gotten touches and to try to keep them more involved in the game. I just don't think he really has that feel as a lead guard. And and, and that's because he really kind of has like only one pace where he just goes a thousand miles an hour. And, you know, that game against the Toronto Raptors, I mean, there's no excuse for them to not win that basketball game. And the only way that they could have lost was Russell Westbrook taking over and not keeping everybody involved like they had been that led them to having a, a double-digit lead. People forget Westbrook is is a shooting guard. That as a point guard, you're right. No, I, I agree one thousand percent. Yeah, he, and yep. Yeah, no, and, and I think that um, like Westbrook and and I, you know I think that this is funny. I'm kind of I'm kind of working on something right now. Um, for the city paper based off of uh, the the, the, the kind of uh, back and forth between Stephen A. Smith and Russell Westbrook from last week. And I think that one of the things that I had a problem with with Stephen A. Smith is that he put he's put he's put a lot of weight on just his championship. And like Russell Westbrook is a is a champion as a as a as a winner in life, regardless of whether he ever wins an NBA championship. But just winning a championship isn't the only part of winning. And I think that Russell Westbrook needs to at, at some point take a, a, a real deep evaluation of himself and realize that the things that he's doing is not leading to winning basketball. And so that he can make some minor adjustments in his game. Like, I, I think that there is a, a, a version of Russell Westbrook where he can look like, you know, Dallas Mavericks, Jason Kidd, and, and, you know, really help some teams be able to win. But you also have to have a coach who's going to, you know, not only, uh, you know, kind of nudge him to do that, but, you know, you got to put pressure on him. But, you know, his BFF, Scott Brooks, is not in the business of, you know, telling Russell Westbrook what to do. You know, the other problem is I, I went back and looked at the scores for like the last five or six games. I mean, they're giving up 130 every other game. I mean, 130. And again, I mean, you just you can't win basketball games that way. And I look forward for the next five or six games. And there aren't a ton of winnable games in the foreseeable future either, right? I mean, they got some big time matchups. So I'll ask you, what, what is what, what are we doing the rest of this season? I mean, what is the point? What are we trying to uh, accomplish here? Please, Troy, help me figure it out. And, and are we still required to watch these games? <laughs> we are. Um... We are, we're not required to watch these games at all. I have no problem with any Wizards fan who has decided to check out on this season just because the entertainment value has simply not been there with this team. So, like, th this team is, like, with they added Russell Westbrook, and they are less exciting than they were last year. Like, last year's basketball team was bad, but at least they were bad in a way that was fun and exciting. And, and I knew, like, okay, they're going to come down. They're going to jack up a lot of shots. They're going to get down by 16. They're going to get the lead back to four, and then they're going to lose by five. You know, like that, that's, that, it, it was kind of like a, a good thing, a good rhythm to have here. 
but this is just no fun, really. Just kind of watching them, uh, um, just kind of like they, they they have Brad and Russ. They have the ball in their hands a lot, and the other players are just running up and down, getting cardio. They're not they're not playing basketball. They just they just running up and down, like just just staying active, getting in real shape. Um, but I think that. Really, honestly, um, I know for a fact that they are going to try to make the playoffs. But as long as they're doing it, they're not going to win any games. They don't have to do anything special to tank. They're they're doing it. They're doing a good enough job already. I'm interested in what you think of Chandler Hutchinson. Um, I, I I I can I believe I can speak for us all. Where we're intrigued by Daniel Gafford here. Oh man, I'm love him. <laughs> we're, we're intrigued by Daniel Gafford, but what do you think of Chandler Hutchinson after being able to see him play a couple games here? I think that Chandler Hutchinson is a classic example of a lot of these first round draft picks over the NBA over the last couple of years. He's a guy who looks to roll. He get he walks off the bus. He looks like an NBA player. You put him on the court, he can do some things, but he doesn't do anything exceptionally well. And I think that ultimately those players just kind of get lost in the sauce when it comes to uh, NBA basketball. Um, like, like I said, he doesn't really have that one particular skill set that I can say, okay, let's try to like see if we can develop this further. Or he doesn't even have like that one weakness where I can say, oh, if he just corrects this weakness, like he's a rotation player. He's just, just kind of meh to me. Like I think that, you know, like, like I said, he looks the part. He can come in, he can shoot a little bit, he can handle a little bit. He does. He can do a lot of things a little bit, doesn't do anything a lot of it. What what is the timeline on the on the other on Gafford? Um, well, they said uh, ten. He, he would be out. They would be reevaluated in ten days. I think that was about a little over a week ago. So they they should probably be uh, reevaluating him soon. Um, I would ex- I would um, I would not expect him to return while they're on this road trip though. So I think that. They'll, they'll probably try to take it slow. And mind you now, you know, there, there's no reason to rush him back. He had a, a, a very serious uh, ankle injury. And, you know, they got this guy under contract for the minimum for the next two years after this year. So this is a guy who and no, and no, has no need to come out there and, you know, force him to come out here and play and possibly re-injure himself where this is a guy that is an investment for the future. And he already showed, he, within the first five minutes of him being a Washington Wizard, he showed that he's worth the investment. I mean, this guy came out the alley-oop, dunk, tip, dunk, rebound, three blocks. I'm like, oh, okay, I like that a lot. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be in a rush to uh, have him come out, like like I said, because of his contract and the investment they made in him. You know, I, I, just, I just wanted him to get as healthy as possible. Now, Troy, I, I know Ted Leonsa said that the team would never tank, right? He 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 stated this. But and I and I know it was Scott Brooks coaching, but you can't tell me that the last couple of games didn't look like tank jobs to you. Oh man, they oh, hey, like like sneakily, like sneakily look like tank jobs. Like that Raptors game. Now, first of all, the Raptors tried to out tank us. When I saw the injury report at like four o'clock, I said, Oh, I see what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> So I see what's going on. I saw what they tried to do. But, you know, the, the, the Wizards, look, they came through in classic good hashtag so Wizards fashion, you know, allowed Gary Trent. I don't know what they were doing in those last two possessions, but Gary Trent came through and, and put us out of our own misery so that, you know, we wouldn't have to, you know, see the team gloating afterwards and there'll only be one and a half games back in Chicago for that 10th spot in the play-in tournament. 
And so, but I really think that, um, you know, Scott Brooks doesn't have any incentive to, to, to try to tank. So he's going to try to win all of these games. And they're only, it's as crazy as it sounds, they're only, what, two, two and a half games back of the uh, Chicago Bulls for that 10th uh, uh, spot in the East, which would uh, allow them to be in the play-in tournament. So they're going to try to get there. And the only thing we can do as uh, as fans and and people who cover the team is to is to just hope that, that that they just keep doing what they're doing because there is no path to getting the franchise turned around with making the playoffs as the tenth seed or getting into a play-in tournament as the eighth seed. That like there is no path for advancement doing that. Uh, Troy, let's do this. If Ted calls you and says, Troy, what do we got to do to get this thing turned around? What, what is the blueprint here? What is the plan going forward to get the, the franchise headed in the right direction? Well, I mean, it, it takes a little bit of luck involved. Like like I said, they, they would have to get lucky and hopefully get into the top five of that uh, NBA lottery this year with a, with a draft that is filled with at least five bona fide potential franchise uh, changing players. So I think that, you know, they I, I would say that their best bet is to, is to, to get into that draft lottery I would um, try to. Uh, I, I would definitely look at bringing in a very uh, experienced uh, uh, basketball mind who could potentially uh, be the team president uh, over somebody like Tommy Shepard. And, and let, let I love Tommy, and I would love to have see him stay in that role as general manager and you know as an expert international scout and, and and as a guy who you know like a lot of credit to him who. You know, he has kind of manned the ship after the Ernie Grunfeld era. And, and you know, the, 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 the boat has not sank under his watch. So I think that uh, I would I would definitely try to bring in a basketball mind, um, like I said, to be the team president. I would get a new head coach, um, a head coach who is much more forward thinking, not just when it comes to just uh, the analytics movement, but somebody who is good at in-game adjustments. And I think that that's been um, really kind of the Wizards' biggest flaw under the Scott Brooks tenure is the fact that he's very rigid with his decision making. Like, you know, you can just once he gets into if, if he if he has a game plan, he just rolls with that game plan until it's too late. And then three games later, he'll be like, oh, let me change it up. Where it's just like, you know, a guy like Nick Nurse from the Toronto Raptors, you know, he's his game plan is changing every play. He's like, oh, we're doing that. That didn't work. Oh, let's switch it up to this. Let's do this. Like, we just need somebody who is uh, uh, willing to take more risks. And I think that, like I said, a team president, a new head coach, um, I think that though, and, and getting lucky in the draft lottery, those three things are the things that can change this uh, Wizards franchise around uh, rather quickly. Well, let's, let's, let's play a quick hypothetical game here, Troy. If the <laughs> Wizards were to get oh so lucky and land in that top spot for the draft, would you be selecting Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley? I'd be I'd be taking Cade Cunningham because just because um like we, we've seen in today's NBA that you know the big men, while there are good dominant big men, um like in Joel Embiid and uh, uh Nikola Jokic, I don't think that uh Evan Mobley is the sort of like dominant playmaker that those guys are. And we can see that, that that wing players who can come in and shoot and handle and create, 
have a much more uh, a much higher chance of impacting winning early on. And Cade Cunningham, I mean, he he's got all the tools as a guy who is uh, six eight. He can. He's got a very smooth handle, a very smooth jumper. Um, he's a guy who was a winner. That Oklahoma State team that he played on this year was not very good, but he dragged them to the NCAA tournament. He had a couple of game winners um, this season. I think that you know he. Uh, I think a lot of uh, comparisons people compare him to a, another DMV legend and Grant Hill. I think that, that that's a very solid comparison as far as um, their skill sets, as far as size, speed, athleticism. I, I mean, I, if, if they get lucky enough to get that first pick, I think it would be a very obvious choice to go ahead and draft Cade Cunningham. We'll kick the can down the road one more time. What do you think happens with Bradley Beal? Will he finish his career in D.C.? If I had to wager on it, I said that he would not finish his career in D.C. I think that while Brad has um, shown a level of commitment to the Wizards organization and that he wants to win here, I think that, you know, this this his his reasoning is very twofold. Um, yes, he wants to win here. But I mean, I think that there is a um, very obvious and not very much talked about uh, incentive, financial incentive for him to continue to get another contract with the Wizards. So I think that, you know, he's saying all the right things right now. I think that once he gets that, once he gets his next contract, whether that be a Supermax or not, um, you know, either way, whether he becomes all NBA and is eligible for that Supermax or not, he's going to get a very, very lucrative contract offer from the Washington Wizards. And, and, and really the reason why he has the opt-out after next year is because he will be a 10-year vested veteran in the NBA. And so because he would have uh, 10 years of experience, he would be eligible to make more money. And so I think that once he gets that contract, I think that then you will start to see a uh, a little bit of a tone change in you know uh, his his commitment to DC for life. So I think that ultimately, and and like I said, and another another aspect of this is that if they were to bring in you know somebody maybe not even Masai but somebody else, a smart GM is going to come in and they're going to look at all of their options. And the first thing they're going to have to look at is fielding Bradley Bill trade offers. So I, if I had to bet, I don't think that he he finishes his career as a wizard. Now, Troy, I haven't been on Twitter really in the past two days, but I, I happened to take a quick peek before we jumped on today. And um, I saw a brief conversation you had with one of our friends. So I'm going to ask this question. What's going on with the Celtics? <laughs> shout, out, shout out to my guy, Angry Man. Uh, hey, look, that, that's that's actually how you you and I connected. You and I were hanging out at, at your concert in DC yep. before, before the pandemic hit. I remember. Shout out to the Howard Theater. Uh, but the Celtics, man, look, look, Danny Ainge. He's getting he's getting a real pass from a lot of national media members for uh, for for what has happened to the Boston Celtics because. You know, he had a treasure trove of draft picks and assets, and really those things have turned into a lot of nothing. And it, and it's really sad to think about. Like, I mean, they had draft picks. They had, you know, picks they were supposed to be getting from Sacramento, picks they were supposed to be getting from Brooklyn, picks from Memphis. Every last one of those picks, they they don't have a they, – they got they still have their, their, their core of players, and they've drafted all these players over the last, you know, three seasons, and none of them is contributing. Like, they, they, like, literally. So, I mean, I think that he has to have some uh, level of culpability there. And I would also look at, like, I'm going to tell you this right now. 
there's a there's a very obvious Bradley Bill destination if he ever wants to get traded. His BFF in life, uh, Jason Tatum, is a Boston Celtic. And, you know, if, if, it, if it comes down to it, look, I don't even need any assets attached to Jalen Brown. Just send him down here to D.C. We don't even need no draft picks. That's good. Look, <laughs> give me a guy young, strong, and, and, and under contract for the next five years. Because <laughs> to your point, it's a cautionary tale on tra- trading Bradley Beal, right? Because, first of all, they're probably no draft picks. And if you don't hit on them, then really you were just trying to draft a guy that would become Bradley Beal anyway. Exactly. Give me Jalen Brown, man. That guy's already, you know, like I said, big, strong player. He plays hard, plays a two-way guy. His shooting percentages go up every year, and he competes on, on a high level. Like, like I said, I, I definitely think that Bill is better than uh, than, than Brown right now. But if, if, if push came to shove, I would take Jalen Brown back in a, Bradley, in a potential Bradley Bill trade. But, uh, yeah, no, the Boston Celtics, man, they, they like, to keep it very simple, they blew it. That's it. Their, their, their window has there. They had a two year championship window where they could have potentially made the NBA finals. And I, I'm going to say this very confidently. That's over. That's that. They're 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 they are not going to win the championship in the next two to three years. That window is closed. Um, I'm interested. Who, who do you with with Bob being injured? Who do you see in the front running for rookie of the year now? Or does he still win it? Even if he I, I don't return. think he, he, he's only played 41 games this year. I don't think he's going to get to the uh, – I think uh, the, the NBA voters, they, they hold that uh, how many games you play in, in really high regard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that right now uh, the uh, uh, rookie power rankings, I would have to go with my – shout out to my fifth cousin, Tyrese Halliburton. I think that, uh, that uh, he, he's probably in the lead for uh, rookie of the year. Um, um, he, he really has produced the, the most, he's most consistent, like he's shooting well from the floor, shooting, uh, you know, 40% from three point range. And he's playing on a team of Sacramento Kings are, you know, quite as it's kept They're They're, they're right there competing with the, you know, the new Orleans is in the, in the golden States and the Memphis is for those, uh, for that, for that play in spot in the, uh, in the Western conference. I think a guy like Anthony Edwards, um, what he has been able to show over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, he, he's taking a lot of shots right now, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think that rookie of the year, it's not like MVP, uh, I, the, the raw numbers like kind of matter. So, you know, when he's, when you look at, you say, Oh, for the last two months of the season, he's averaging 20 points. I think that a lot of voters will take that into consideration. And so, and, and honestly, I, I think it's, it's probably just a three man race between those guys, uh, between LaMelo ball, um, Tyrese Halliburton and Anthony Edwards for uh, the rookie of the year. This might already be out there, and I just hadn't seen it. Is is this playing tournament like a, a thing that's going to stick, or is this? Are they trying to see how it works this year with it? I do believe that this will uh, stick around. I'm not sure whether they. Uh, I know that they're getting ready to have a uh, a new collective bargaining agreement coming up, and I think that this is something that um, that is both pro. The, the players are pro, and that the owners are uh, both uh, for. Uh, having going moving forward. Number one, it's an extra revenue stream. Um, and number two, I think that, uh, you know, that, 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 that they, they want to, you know, drum up a lot of interest in these kind of lower level seating. Like they, I think that everybody kind of realizes that in the NBA, you have those top teams who are, you know, every year there's only going to be like, you know, four or five people who are realistically, you know, title contenders. 
And so I think they are trying to drum up more interest. There was talks of having you know, that uh, the mid-season tournament, kind of like how the 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 the, the Euro uh, the soccer leagues do. And I think that this is a good compromise for that because you know you get to see uh, you know some of these play-in teams who have you know younger stars. You would you get to see like a John Morant or you know a Lamelo Ball or a Tyrese Halliburton. These younger guys or 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 Trey uh, Trey Young with the Atlanta Hawks. We'll get to see some of these younger stars play in meaningful games um, and and kind of and kind of uh, you know drum up a, a bit of excitement for for the middling teams. Troy, I, I want to ask your opinion on. I'm seeing this year, and I don't know if this just was an outlier because of the COVID COVID season that college players were granted, but this year we're seeing a tremendous amount of players in the transfer portal it's almost like free agency in college and so you have this new unique thing with the transfer portal where they're trying to even past the season they're trying to relax the transfer rules a little and then you have the g league option where i don't i, I haven't really watched them so i don't know how successful that team was the the uh, ignite but you have that option um do you see uh a big change coming with more players trying to get on that, that G league team for, um, you know, young players. Yeah. So I got a chance to really uh, watch uh, the G league team um, during over the course of the G league season. And I mean that, that for Jalen green and for uh, Jonathan Kaminga, I thought that that was the smartest move that those two players could have made. They got paid half a million dollars. They only played uh, what I think about 20 games this year. They were able to uh, have a real NBA coaching running real NBA plays. They had NBA veterans, such a shout out DMV legend, uh, Jared Jack, who was the point guard of that team full of uh, young uh, uh, guys. And I think that, you know, for, for, but I think everybody's path is different. So for the guys like Jalen uh, Green and Kaminga, who were all, always kind of highly touted lottery prospects, I think that going to the G League was a perfect decision for them to go make money, not have to, you know, uh, uh, deal with uh, uh, the, the 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 confusion that comes around uh, playing NCAA basketball. But I do believe that there are other players who uh, greatly benefit from going to college and developing and kind of being the man for, or you know, because a lot of times these players come in as uh, you know freshmen, they don't play. They if they stay if they stay in the program and don't transfer, then eventually they do develop and 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 become good players. Um, as far as the the transfers go, I love it because that like the, when you have all these coaches, these coaches leave, they go from job to job uh, as much as it matters. They get buyouts, huge buyouts from the organ uh, from from these colleges. And they can just have free reign to do whatever it is they want to do. But all of a sudden, the players have to be subjected to all of this, these different transfer rules and sitting out and doing all this stuff. Man, jump into that portal and, 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 and try to uh, advertise your services to all of these schools across the country and go with, for the option that best fits you. So uh, an example I will give is a shout out to uh, my fellow Gonzaga College High School alum, Chris Lights, who was down at the University of Miami. And he entered the transfer portal very early. The Miami hasn't been as good the last few years. They weren't playing an NCAA tournament. He thought about coming home to go to Georgetown, but he just announced today that he's transferring to Arkansas. And he watched Arkansas play in the NCAA tournament. He's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to go play on the biggest stages. I want to play and, and they'll get my one shining moment. And so he should have that right. 
as a player to not be stuck in a, at a at a place where he knows that he's not going to win. Yeah, we just I just saw the uh, big man from Georgetown. Uh, uh, I can't pronounce his name, but he will hop. Yeah, he transferred to Maryland. Uh, oh man, he yeah. don't even have to move really. <laughs> don't even, just, just just going a couple minutes up the, up the highway. And yeah, then gave, yeah. And then gave Turge a shiny new extension too. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but, I, but hey, I like it. Like I said, every prospect is different, but I really I like what the what the G League did, and I think that once you know uh, we see Jalen Green and Kaminga go in the top five of this draft, I think that um, other future prospects will definitely sit down and consider that as an option and, and it'll obviously be a lot easier and better you know with them not having to be in a g league bubble and you know uh what, what they had to endure this year because of all the covid protocols wasn't it the third guy on that team yeah there there was well, he didn't really play that much um but i th- i still believe that he will get drafted as well though okay right. well troy I, I thought doug had another question see he <laughs> <laughs> So we, we thank you as always for, for, for coming, showing up, showing out, you know, let the people know where they can find you as always and what you're working on. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you can always find me on Twitter at Troy Halliber, H-A-L-I-B-U-R. Um, like I said, I got something, uh, I wrote something last week in the uh, city paper about the, the middling wizards and, 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 and what they really need to do to, to, to kind of get out of this. But I, like I said, I'm gonna be work. I'm working on something right now that's gonna come out later in the week. Uh, kind of analyzing Russell Westbrook as a uh, as as a polarizing figure, uh, not only in the NBA but just in professional sports in general, and uh, what his impact has meant for the Wizards, both good and bad. So be on the lookout for that coming out in the uh, Washington City paper coming up soon. Shout out to my guy Kellen Song, the best editor in the world. Uh, he wrote a nice piece on the uh, Washington Nationals. A comeback victory on the bat of uh, Juan Soto walk off yesterday. So you should all go check that out in the city paper as well. It was seven five for uh, before we started this today. I'm not sure what the final was, but yeah, <laughs> look, it, they 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 just hung up that banner because last season didn't exist to me anyway. So look, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to get back. We, to me, we we still defending champs right now. So <laughs> no, no right, doubt. Thanks for coming on. I don't know how we got forty minutes of uh, entertaining Wizards talk, but yet here we are. I appreciate it. <laughs> and look, the, you know, it, it's crazy the fact that like we, we're just as Wizards fans, we're just uh, just just gluttons for pain. So, you know, I, I know that people are people are going to watch this. People are going to people are going to talk about it. They're going to they're going to end up with uh, long Twitter threads where I check out uh, after the third tweet. But, you know, it'll still be going for 48 hours later. It's crazy. But the, the, the Wizards do drum up some some very interesting conversation. I was like, we'll be suffering as a family as they probably lose to the Orlando Magic tonight. Ah, no, suffering or celebrating, mind you. Like I said, Big Poo. I'll, I'll be celebrating. I'll be celebrating. Man, if they just do what they, if the season ends right now, that would be the best thing that could happen. End up with the with the fourth highest odds in the draft lottery. I that is in the season right now. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say I had a bittersweet. It was like, no, yes. Yes, it, it, I, I, I want to see the team win, and I hate, you know, that they lost on a buzzer beater, and I hate the way they lost with those last three possessions. Just, just frustrating basketball. But then I remembered that, yo, that would have we would have been a game and a half out of that ten spot if we like so. It, it, they're they're teetering a very thin line right now. So, like, you no know, couple heat. more losses, 
Bradley Bill, go ahead, tell Bradley Bill, go ahead, go on home, rest that hip up for the rest of the year. You know, look, it doesn't take a lot. Let Scott Brooks finish out his job. Like, it look, there's an easy path to to to, to K Cunningham right here. Compete, but lose. <laughs> That's it. That's the motto. Compete, but lose. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right, Troy, man. Thank you once again, man. You have a good day, brother. I appreciate it. You guys, man. Blessings, blessings, man. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was that was perfect, man. <laughs>